Please take your Bibles, open them up to Daniel chapter 2, and if you didn't get an opportunity to fill out a prayer card, please uh, raise your hand real quick, Efren's walking around with those. If uh, this is your first time joining us, uh, we are in a series in the book of Daniel. We just started last week, the message was entitled, Daniel's Choice, where Daniel had to purpose in his heart that he would not defile himself um, with the portion of the king's meat or the portion of the king's drink, and uh, because it was offered to an idol and he did not want to defile himself that way. So uh, we see that the title of our series is God's Sovereignty is Our Security. Now, the word sovereignty is not necessarily a Bible word. It is a Bible truth. It just simply means God's in control. He's in charge. And when God's in charge, then the practical application is we can be secure. We can be at peace because we are secure. Now, we looked at a little bit of background information last week. Some people think that Daniel... It's a fictional book. That's the way that liberal scholars view it. As a matter of fact, they, they, they more or less look at the Old Testament as a fabrication that was written after the Babylonian captivity was over. Uh, that's when they say that the Old Testament canon was completed. That's definitely not the view of Jesus uh, because Jesus um, said that, you know, Daniel, he recognized Daniel was a prophet. He talked specifically about Daniel chapter 9. When you see the abomination of desolations that Daniel the prophet mentioned, then you need to run. So Jesus certainly didn't consider Daniel to be a fictional character. Uh, Daniel was a real living human being that lived um, in the 6th century before Christ in the year um, 605 B.C., a foreign king. Uh, came to Jerusalem and uh, besieged the city and was able to breach the city and to take away uh, treasures out of the temple and to carry away uh, nobility, uh, princes. And Daniel and uh, three of his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, otherwise known by their Babylonian names, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, were carried away with him. But those uh, four young men uh, joined themselves together last week and said, no, we will not defile ourselves. And they lived by their convictions. And so we need to make that same choice to live by conviction and leave our lives in the hands of a sovereign God and let the outcome be whatever God determines. And you'll see that in the first six chapters over and over again, where Daniel, as an individual, Uh, determines that he's going to do right. He's going to trust a sovereign God and let the outcome be determined by God. And each time we see that Daniel is delivered, even though he is in great peril, as we'll find in today's message. Now, how does this message relate to the 4th of July and America celebrating its independence? Well, not only is God sovereign in individual lives, God is sovereign over nations. Nations don't rise and fall, they fall and nations rise and take their place at the moving and the orchestrating of a divine sovereign in heaven who has before determined the times and the boundaries of nations. 
So will America die? When will America die? What will our boundaries be? Well, that's a sovereign God who knows all those things. And so as we go through the message today, uh, we as individuals, as believing Americans, as Christians, uh, we need to make the same choices that Daniel did to praise God. And so today's message is called Daniel's Praise. Now, if you're looking at Daniel chapter 2, there are 49 verses. There's no way that I can exposit to you verse by verse 49 verses. So we're going to just take them section by section. Um, But it will take us a few minutes to read it. And uh, so what we'll do is we'll just read it each section as we we talk about uh, each point as we go through. So we'll we'll break up the reading of it into smaller sections. Uh, But this is a story about King Nebuchadnezzar when he ordered bad pizza from Domino's and had nightmares. All right? Uh, No, there's a a divine sovereign in heaven that gave him night terrors in a dream to teach this human king that there is a sovereign in the heavens that controls things. And therefore, this pagan king needs to humble himself under the hand of a mighty God. And so today, we're going to look at four different points. Now, if you like literary divisions, uh, think of this as a play. It has eight different stage scenes. So the curtain would go down several times, and the props would change, and a new scene would come up. Uh, So there's eight different scenes in the story, but that's not how I've laid out my main points. All right? So we're not going to do it that way. We're just going to look at four different points in the message. But here's the big idea. Individuals and nations are in the hands of a sovereign God. All right, point number one, the king's dilemma and demand is Daniel's peril, verses 1 through 13. So get your eyes and you can start reading as I read aloud. And I did remember my glasses. All right, here we go. Nebuchadnezzar the king, oops, I'm in chapter 3. That's not going to help you. Chapter 2. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have dreamed a dream. And my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me, and if you will not make known to me the image, uh, the dream, with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show me the dream... And the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that you would gain the time, because you see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you that you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the times be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, 
There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things as any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requires, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. So if Domino's Pizza was available, maybe he ate it, right? He had an unsettling dream, lost his sleep. Um, problem is, he really honestly could not remember the dream. But all he knew was, now I'm awake for the rest of the night, and I remember that it was a scary dream, and it bothered me, and I can't go back to sleep. So he calls in the class of people that should be able to handle this uh, matter for him. And they're part of his political ruling class, but they also, uh, you can see by some of their titles, the magicians and astrologers, they, they dabble in the black arts. And um, he says, all right, uh, guys, I've had a dream, and it upset me. I can't remember the dream, but I am resolved that you have to tell me the dream and the interpretation. If you can't do this, I'm going to kill you, and I'll turn your house into a pile of cow poop, all right? And uh, you're not going to live. And they're like, oh, king, you know, live forever. God save the king. And he's like, now listen, quit stalling. I am dead serious when I say this. You have to tell me the dream. And so I know that you can tell me the interpretation. Oh, king, live forever. Nobody has ever requested such a thing. And besides, we can't do that. Only the gods can do that. And he's like, look, you're just waiting for the political circumstances within the kingdom to change to your favor. That ticks me off. There's one sentence for you. You're dead men. And he gives the order. All right. You've just told me you can't do it. I'm not going to put up with your political maneuvering and your shenanigans away with you. Well, one problem for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they're part of that group. All right. So whatever happened at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, Daniel is not uh, the leader of this group of, of people, this class of counselors, assistants that have... He probably, being a young teenager, there's probably more men of prominence, probably some Chaldeans, some Babylonians that probably have more power than he does. So he's just a nobody within this little group of people, but yet it directly impacts him and puts him in peril. So you see the king's, you could take the word dilemma or dream. Uh, the king's dilemma is that he can't remember the dream, but he knows it's troubled him. And he wants to know the dream and the interpretation. He, he wants to get this solved so he can be at peace. And so the king's dilemma is Daniel's peril. And the demand is, you tell me. So once again, we see that God's sovereignty is our security. It's going to be Daniel's security as well. So verse 4, his decision is firm. And so he withheld the dream um, and so he's testing, quote, the experts, and uh, he wants a straight interpretation with no deception. All right, 
Here's a way you can pray for rulers in America. You know, they have bad dreams too. And I'm sure that some nights the intelligence briefings that they've heard causes them to lose sleep. And I'm sure that their intent is to watch over and protect us, even though they might be of a completely political stripe that's different than we are. There's a basic function to government. It's to protect. So they need God's wisdom. And this is something in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that we're commanded to pray for all that are in authority, for kings and governors, and that includes presidents. And, uh, you know, they don't have the easiest jobs that are out there. So pray for them. And I'm sure that they have lost sleep, and I'm sure they've had bad dreams. May they come to know the Lord so they can be at peace that their time in office is in the hands of a sovereign God so that they can go to sleep at night and rest peacefully, wake up energized, invigorated to do their job. But so many of them don't know the Lord and they do lose sleep and they're worried. And then there's the under uh, minions that are all like in a horse race, jockeying for position to be in favor. I want to be in favor with the chief of staff. I want to be close to the president. I want to be close to so I, I, you know, and all those maneuverings. And so people will deal deceitfully to gain advantage. Politics hasn't changed. The intricacies and the subterfuges of political administrations uh, have always been around. So there's this maneuvering, this dishonesty this, that, that's going on. And the king is like, look, I know you're trying to manipulate all of this until the times change politically. So too bad for you. I'm going to take your heads off right now. And so they're looking for Daniel and his friends. And so Daniel is in peril. Let's watch a sovereign God work as we go through this. All right. Now, uh, one thing that you should know. All right. Chapter one is in Hebrew. Um. Daniel 2 through 11, I think it is, is written in Aramaic. Why would God change the language in which he inspired the scripture in? Well, because the language of the pagan kingdom is Aramaic. So this chapter was written for Gentile people to know that there's a sovereign in heaven. Not just a Jew, by the name of Daniel and his friends, but for all people. And, you know, we don't have a a Christian faith isn't just for one ethnic group. Christ is for every people, for he died for all. And that's the beauty of of churches here in California is we are multi-ethnic. That's a beautiful thing. Heaven's that way. And um, so today, the message is for you. And so God is going to show his sovereign hand as we go through and look at this message. You know, um, let me just point out a a thing of humor here and tell you a story. Um, Do you remember the the group of people the king has called in, the astrologers, the the uh, magicians and so forth, uh, psychics, tarot card readers, whatever you want? Uh, Years ago, the first ministry that I was in, um, we were... For 20 years looking for a building, we eventually, God led us to a building. 
But we rented for many years from the community center, from the senior center. And so on Sunday morning, we were at the senior center. On Sunday night, we were at the community center. And every once in a while, uh, it didn't happen often, but we would get bumped from our evening service slot and told, well, too bad, you got to go somewhere else for this week. Well, there was a, a big convention of psychic, a psychic convention that was coming up. And there were big red and yellow banners everywhere, you know, psychic fair on such and such a date and such and such a time. And uh, one of our deacons uh, had a, a moment of sarcastic, wry humor. And he said, you know, if they were really psychic, they wouldn't need banners and signs to tell them where it was happening or when it was going to happen. All right. So it just goes to show you uh, that they can't foretell the future. They can't help you in any way spiritually. You don't need to be reading your horoscopes. You don't need to go to tarot card readers, palm readers. Uh, Those folks, they, they serve a different God. They serve the God of this world. They don't serve the sovereign God of heaven. And they certainly won't give you peace. All right. King Saul went to see a medium, and he did not gain peace. As a matter of fact, he only gained torment. So don't rely upon those folks to, to give you the peace. And um, so I think that it's very interesting. Their conclusion is no one can reveal this to the king except the gods. They don't live with men. All right. Now, let's look here at verses 14 through 23. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven. Amen. They're turning to the right place to get help. Concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made me known unto me uh, now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto me the king's matter. So, the king's decree, uh, our second point then, leads to Daniel's prayer and praise. And so we have two stage settings here. We have a, a stage setting of prayer and then a stage setting of praise that take place. And we see God sovereignly working here. Uh, but once again, Daniel is a wise man. When he gets the knock on the door, open up in there! You know, we're here to kill you. Oh, nice to meet you too. Hey, so what's the rush here? Why do I have to die right now? What, what did I do? How did I get into trouble? All right. And uh, so Arioch uh, tells him, look, the king dreamed a dream. He wants you or the wise men, the magicians, 
to tell him the interpretation, but not only that, Daniel, you have to tell him what the dream was, or off with your head. Now, Daniel takes a bold step of faith. I could do that. Really? Where did Daniel find such confidence, such boldness? Well, he's in a right relationship with the sovereign God of the universe. He knows that God will bring glory to himself. And so in faith, he steps out. You know what? Sometimes you have to step out in faith when you don't feel comfortable. If you're always trying to make decisions and be at peace and be comfortable with them, you're not living by faith. Right? You just have to jump out of the airplane sometimes without a parachute and trust the Lord. Now, that's just a metaphorically way of speaking that Abraham left his home country not knowing where he was going, but he knew the God who knew the way. And so Daniel knew these kind of stories. Daniel knew the story of Joseph standing before Pharaoh. Did not Pharaoh have a dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows? And the seven skinny cows came and replaced the seven fat cows. And Joseph was able to interpret the dream. Now, Joseph had one advantage. Pharaoh told him what the dream was. Daniel's at a disadvantage. He doesn't even want to know what the dream is here. And then he has to give the interpretation too. So there's no one who's going to do this for Daniel but God. And so Daniel steps out in faith because he knows that God is sovereign. He knows that God answers prayer. Do you have that much courage to step out in faith and to seek God in prayer? Bold, audacious praying that God can do certain things? Call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which are too difficult for thee. High and walled up, shut in. You can't get over that wall. There's no way you're going to do it. But God can do these kind of things. And some people have a spiritual gift of faith where, yes, this is something that they can do. But all of us are commanded to exercise faith in God. And so Daniel, he, he goes about this in seeking God in prayer. And um, he gets his prayer warriors together, and um, they begin praying, all right? Uh, prayer meeting, the effectual fervent prayer of these four righteous men availed much. I encourage you, come before Sunday school and pray. Uh, when you're invited to stay after a service and to pray for certain segments of our ministry, stay and pray. Call one another up on the phone throughout the week and pray together. Uh, you don't need to be always directed and told when to pray. I mean, that's what the Holy Spirit's for. Grab a brother or a sister, pull them off to the side, go to another room and start praying. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Charles Spurgeon recorded that he believes the reason for the success in his ministry was that people in his church would sit out of the sermon, but they would go before the king of kings and pray the entire message for their pastor. And there was power in that pastor's ministry because the people were behind him in prayer. 
And this is one of Calvary's needs. We need to be a people that's bold and audacious in prayer and faith that God will hear us. We need to ask big thanks and watch our God, who's even bigger, show a sovereign hand and do these things because it brings him honor and it brings him glory. So he gets Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah together. And by, by the way, verse 17, they're not using their Babylonian names. They're, they're using their Hebrew names. And all of their Hebrew names have some facet which brings glory to God. They get together and they pray. So verse 18, they would desire the mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. They know the challenge that's before them. And they know that they need God's mercy. Otherwise, what's going to happen if they don't get the answer to prayer? Head is removed. You're dead. You're a goner. All right? Now, that's some kind of praying, right? That, that's real prayer. There's a real need here. And so they're beseeching God for his mercies. And um, the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men. Verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Daniel received his answer to prayer. God is a sovereign, powerful God. You're going to see in just a moment the dream that was in the mind of a pagan king God puts that exact dream down to the very details into the mind of Daniel. That's not a coincidence. I wouldn't want your dreams and you wouldn't want my dreams. Right? Um, Sometimes they're humorous. Sometimes they're scary. Sometimes they're not what they should be. Right? And so here, a sovereign God puts the exact dream And we'll look at that in just a moment. But the idea of God is infinitely wise here. Notice here uh, how Daniel describes God. And if you don't know God today, he's portrayed right here. Here's a portrait so you can know God. Let's look at God. Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. Wisdom. God is God all wise. How many of you have ever gotten stuck in fractions, multiplication, division, algebra, geometry, calculus, and you've had a brain freeze? All right? God never has. God has never struggled with math. God has never struggled with languages. He created every language. God has never struggled with science. God knows the laws of the universe better than we do. God knows all about astrophysics. God knows all things. He's all wise. He is known as the God of wisdom and might are his. So not only does he know all things, but he has the ability to work it into existence and power. He changes the times and the seasons. All right, so praise the Lord. We just had our longest day of the year. I love summer, right? I love these long days, but maybe it's not only 
the planetary season, maybe it's political seasons. Um, he removeth kings and setteth up kings. Remember what I said at the beginning of the message? Nations don't rise and fall, they fall and rise. Right? Because there's the sovereign God that says, these people did not bring me glory when they were power. I'm done with them. Down they go. I want to raise up another group of people that will bring me glory. And so kings, they fall and rise at God's orchestration. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Have you ever read the book of Proverbs? Rebuke a wise man and he will become wiser. All right. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So nothing can hide from God. There's nothing that you're hiding or that I'm hiding. Now God in his mercy and his grace does cover your sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. So that they're remembered no more. But there's nothing he, he can see. And so the darkness of the mind, he, he knows what people dream at night, right? He knows all these things. And so Daniel, this is why I called it Daniel's praise. Message one was Daniel's choice. Message two is Daniel's praise. I thank thee and what? Praise thee. Can we not praise God for his wisdom, for the insight and the understanding that he brings to us? What a beautiful portrait that we're receiving about our God today. And so we can praise him. O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might. You know what, if you need wisdom, the book of James says that God will give wisdom to those who ask him. He will not upbraid you. In other words, not going, God is not going to chastise you for asking for help for wisdom. There's difficult choices in life. Sometimes we don't know what the right choice is. It's not always a choice between right and wrong. Sometimes it's a choice between what is good and what is best. And, and God can give us that wisdom. And so Daniel is praising him. He, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of his fathers. And uh, he says, For thou hast made known unto me the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto, verse 24, Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in, said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. So I want you to just listen to a quote um, from A.W. Tozer. He was a, a godly man many years ago in a different denomination. Uh, he wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy and uh, he has a little quote that I want to read to you about the wisdom of God. The idea of God is infinitely wise at the root of all truth. It is a datum of belief necessary to the soundness of all other beliefs about God. Wisdom, among other things, is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning so there can be no need to guess or conjecture. Wisdom sees everything in focus and in proper relation to all, and is thus is able to work toward predestined goals with flawless precision. All God's acts are done in perfect wisdom, first for his own glory, and then for the highest good of the greatest number for the longest time. And all his acts are pure as they are wise, 
and good as they are wise and pure. Not only could his acts not be better done, a better way to do them could not be imagined. An infinitely wise God must work in a manner not to be improved upon by finite creatures. The scripture says, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So when God conceives of something, he knows the beginning and the end. And he knows everything in between and he knows how to get his will done. This is why we believe in the perseverance of the saints. If God saves us, then he which hath begun a good work in us will perform it unto the day of his appearing. And we are in Christ, therefore we are preserved, we are saved. And so we persevere in our faith and in our belief because God has determined the beginning of our salvation. He's the author and he's the end of our salvation. He's the finisher of our faith. We are secure in the hands of a sovereign God that devised an infinitely wise way to save sinners. Oh, come on. You can be Pentecostal out there. You can say amen. You can smile, all right? You can nod yes, all right? We serve a wise God, and we should be saying hallelujah, all right? Now, verses 24 through 45, this is our third point. But once again, let's remind ourselves of the big ideas because we're going to move into the second part of the big idea here. Not only are individuals in the hands of a sovereign God, but so are nations. And so let's look at the king's destiny and Daniel's prophecy. And at this point, I'm just going to read it to you. And God does something miraculous here. God tells you what's going to happen in the future. Not only future in Daniel's time, but what future in our day and age. And so let's not get bogged down into the details. Someone has called this the ABC, all right, of Bible prophecy. And so we'll just try to keep it at ABC today. Believe me, this week I probably spent an hour and a half on trying to figure out what the four kingdoms were, all right? And then I realized, you know, I don't need to know that to preach this message because I don't have an hour and a half to explain it to you. And some of you should say, amen. <laughs> and so let's just keep it simple. All right, let's move on. Verse 24, therefore Daniel went in to Arioch, and hey, I can do this, 25, Arioch brings in Daniel before the king in haste and said unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. Then the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the vision of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter, and he that revealeth secrets makes known unto thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, the secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that they shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart." Now, I find it very interesting, the spirit of humility and arrogance between Arioch and Daniel. 
Ariok comes into the king. Hey, king, good news. I found somebody. I should be on your good side here, right? When Daniel comes in, he's like, oh, king, there's nobody alive that can show you the dream. But there is a living God, and he can do that. So give the credit and the glory to God. So listen, sometimes it's awkward when you walk out the door and say, what a great message, pastor. And I think to myself, and sometimes I say, well, praise the Lord then. Give him the glory, right? I don't really care whether you like a message or not, because sometimes you need to be offended by truth. And you're not going to say to me on those days, good job, pastor, all right? And uh, so just preach the word and let God take care of the results and what happens in hearts. But give God the glory. And so the king's destiny and Daniel's prophecy. Um, So this is what's going to happen here, all right? So here's the dream that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed that God gave the exact same dream to Daniel. And Daniel now, there's no way that he's going to stand before the king and be able to bluff him. And so Daniel just comes right out and says what it is. Verse 31. Thou, O king, solace, and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image head was of gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs were of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them into pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer, threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and that the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. We will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. So Daniel just comes right out and says, this is the dream that God has dreamed. And not God has dreamed, that God has put in my mind, I have dreamed. So this is it, what the dream is, all right? This beautiful, magnificent, awe-inspiring image of a man shining in, in glory. The, the head is, is gold, the, the breast silver, um, and, and then bronze, and then iron and clay, and then all of a sudden you see this huge stone made without hands coming down out of the heavens, hitting the feet of this image, and it falls over, and it's ground to powder, and it's gone, and the stone fills the earth and becomes a great big huge thing. It fills all the earth. Now, great, but what does it mean? So let's move on. Verse 36, this is the the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven, hath he given into thy hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. All right, so who has given this pagan king his kingdom? What does Daniel say? The God of heaven. On a human level, we're going to see in just a few chapters, Nebuchadnezzar says, is this not great Babylon which I have made? All right. He's got the, the ego and the big head. All right. And so Daniel is saying, no, there's a sovereign God in heaven, O king. 
who has given you a place of prominence. You're the head of gold. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 39. After thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and a third kingdom of brass, which shall bear ruler over the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with mire clay. And the toes and the feet were of iron, part of clay, so that the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mingled with miry clay, that shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron and the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is what? Sure. All right? I know that I've dreamed the same dream that you have dreamed, and this is what it means. You're a great king, but the God of heaven has made you that. A second kingdom is going to come, and it's going to take your place. A third kingdom will come and take its place. A fourth kingdom will come and take the place of the previous three. But then finally, a fifth kingdom a kingdom not of men and not made of man's ability nor man's hand. It's coming from heaven and it's going to smash all these other kingdoms and it's going to be an everlasting kingdom. It's not going to be left for other people. But God of heaven is going to set up his own kingdom. Therefore, king, humble yourself because the God of heaven has shown you the future. So, when we get to Daniel 7... I think that will be an appropriate time to explain to you um, the historical fulfillment of these kingdoms. But we know, number one, they're not figurative kingdoms. They're real, literal kingdoms. Because Nebuchadnezzar was a real, literal king. And Daniel said, your kingdom, number one. That's a real kingdom. And so when we know that the kingdom of Christ is established, and we'll, we'll show you how that's Christ and his kingdom, when the God of heaven sets up his everlasting kingdom, we know that that will be a literal kingdom too. But the idea here is this, that God is in charge of human affairs. What's going on in the world? Is Russia going to achieve supremacy? Is China going to achieve supremacy? North Korea, Iran, you know, the United States, will we stay on top? What about all these things? Well, I think for now, instead of worrying about the future, that we should choose to praise God, that he's God all wise, and he knows all about political events. He knows the future of our nation. 
But what's important for you and me right now is that we allow him to be sovereign in our own heart and in our own life. And if that's true of us, then we can be contagious Christians and we can spread that to our nation. And oh my, does our nation need to know and to be in a right relationship with a sovereign God. They're not in charge, but there's a heavenly God who's in charge. And so the king's destiny and Daniel's prophecy uh, come together here. Uh, We have been given the ABCs of future events. God's going to set up a kingdom. Are you ready for that kingdom? Jesus, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, and by the way, we made a change because of the holiday, that'll be next week. But when we celebrate the Lord's table, Jesus says, I will not drink the fruit of this vine with you until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so there is a literal day coming when the Lord will participate with us in communion. And we will be with him in his kingdom. And so there is a kingdom coming. Are you ready for that kingdom? You see, let's just consider for a moment Um, what God is doing. Psalm 2 tells us figuratively to kiss the son lest he be angry with thee. Do you know the God of heaven? Um, Do you know this stone that is mentioned here? You see Isaiah 28 verse 16 says, "I, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes in him will never be ashamed. Never be dismayed. Don't ever apologize for being a believer in Jesus. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to hide. You can share your faith in Jesus. Then Peter quotes it in the New Testament. See, I lay in Zion a cornerstone, a chosen and precious stone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Do you have a right relationship with this God? When I use the word relationship, I'm talking about your eternal relationship. Are you saved from your sins? Have you repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ? Jesus invites you to do so. Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I give you rest for your souls. Jesus said in John 3.14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Will you believe in the lifted up Lord Jesus? He died on that cross to pay for your sin. You need to believe that he's your sin solution. And then if you believe that, then you call on him and you ask him to be your Lord and Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Settle that today, would you? If you don't know how to do that, please see me. I would have great joy in introducing you uh, and have great joy in seeing you come into a right relationship with the God of heaven. And so, Psalm 2, the nations rage and imagine vain things. They laugh at God and his, the thought of God and his kingdom. But notice... Uh, Psalm 2 verses 4 through 6 says that the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. God says, ha, 
Yeah, you think that you're the world's superpower. Well, let me tell you, I've already established my king. It's decreed. Once again, God's wisdom. He decrees something. He knows how to bring it about. It's as good as done. God has decreed to save sinners who call on him. It's as good as done. We're just waiting for our salvation. And so individuals and nations are in God's sovereign hand. And so let's look at the last point here, verses 46 through 49, and then we'll wrap this message up. Verse 46, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel. Worshipped who? Well, maybe he doesn't come to a quite understanding of who the God of heaven is yet. And he commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. Then the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, secret, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So David goes from this obscure young man, maybe even a teenager or in his young 20s, to someone who sat in the king's presence all the time. Daniel was not afraid to give God a chance to be glorified or to be praised. Daniel's praise. Will you take that chance on God today? Have enough faith in him? Seek him in prayer? Be bold? Do you know that God is the God of heaven above? Be bold in your prayers. Ask great things of God. And Daniel did, and Daniel was secure in the hands of a sovereign God. Daniel did not perish. He was promoted. Promotion comes from the Lord. Doesn't come from the east, doesn't come from the west, doesn't come from the south. That's the book of Proverbs. Comes from the Lord above. And so God brought Daniel into great promotion. Listen, Christian, never be afraid to hold your convictions in the workplace. Never be afraid to hold your convictions in society. Let a sovereign God decide what he's going to do with your life. We're going to see in a few weeks when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are commanded to bow down before this image that Nebuchadnezzar makes of himself, they won't do it. And they're brought in before the king and he says, all right, last chance, bow down or it's in the furnace for you. And they said, we want you to know this, king, that we trust in the living God and we're not going to bow down to you. And yes, we're going to be thrown in the fire and whether we're consumed in an instant or we remain alive and walk out of that fiery furnace, we will not bow down to you because there's a God in heaven above. Well, we know that they walked out. And that'll be a fun story to, to hear. But individuals and nations are in the hands of a sovereign God. Repent and put your faith in Jesus if you don't know him today. ABC, admit you're a sinner, believe that Christ is your sin solution, and C, call on him in prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself, but you died for me. You can save me. Please let your blood cleanse me from my sin.